Hi listeners, and welcome to the True Crime Weekly Podcast, a podcast that is based in San Diego and hosted by me, Alina Trujillo, and my producer, Jose Fernandez. This is a podcast where I will be bringing you stories of murders, infamous cases, and unsolved mysteries. On June 7th, 1997, 20-year-old Amber Elaine Lundgren went with friends to the Barcode, which was a local club that was a safe place for many who just wanted to go out for a night of dancing. Sometime between 2.30 and 3.30 a.m., Amber left the club, and that was the last time she was seen alive. This is the story of Amber Lundgren. Amber was the only child of her mother, Debbie Lundgren, and Amber was born on February 7th, 1977, and she grew up in Tampa, Florida. But when Amber was a teenager, she and her mother, Debbie, moved to Asheville, North Carolina. And in 1995, Amber graduated from Asheville High School. Now, she had been an excellent student growing up, but she had stopped applying herself academically once she was a teenager, which I feel it's kind of normal, you know, as a teen. You, yeah, I, mean, I can see that. Yeah. She planned to eventually go back to school. She just wanted to take an art class or maybe a photography course in the fall. But she also wanted to travel the world and make sure she lived life to the fullest, which I can't blame her for that. I remember I did that, too. <laughs> So she had a lot of plans for the future, but she just kind of want to take her time before getting there, you know? So in the summer of 1997, Amber was 20 years old. She had a boyfriend and several close friends and was working as an assistant manager at Pier 1. She was considering going to University of North Carolina, Asheville in the near future, but she wasn't in a rush at all, okay? So... For now, she was actually content with her job as an assistant manager at the local Pier 1. And Amber was excited about going out with some friends on the evening of June 6, 1997. Now, they planned to go to Barcode, which is a club in downtown in Asheville, North Carolina. So Amber had been to Barcode several times since it had opened six months earlier. She told her friends how much she enjoyed the atmosphere there and she was looking forward to going back. So on this evening, she opted to wear blue jeans and a red and white flannel shirt. She had spent a lot of time getting her hair to curl the way that she wanted it and her makeup was just flawless. So while her friends finished doing their hair and makeup, Amber actually decided to call her mother and tell her her plans for the evening. So once her friends finished getting ready, Amber got off the phone with her mom and told her she would call her the following day. Now, the three friends posed for a quick photograph together, then left Amber's apartment, eager to get the night started. And as usual, Amber was the designated driver. She rarely drank and she could always be the that one friend that's trusted to make sure that all the friends got home safely. Oh, that's really nice of her. Yeah, which that's not me. <laughs> 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 they arrived at Barcode sometime before midnight and parking a few blocks from the clubs away on Broadway Street. Okay. So although the club was one of the newer ones in Asheville, it had already gained a reputation as being one of the safest, okay? So they tended to employ more bouncers 
than most nightclubs in the area. So that meant that they were quick to shuffle away rowdy people out the door. Yeah, so they had kind of like keep an eye on things. And, yeah, you know, so people... I feel like this was definitely one of those clubs where a girl can just go in there and relax and not have to deal with like a guy that just keeps on following me around. And I can't get rid of him, you know? Yeah. Hence so, the being safe part. <laughs> yeah. So at around 2 a.m., Amber realized that she had no idea where her two friends were. So she walked around the club for a few minutes in an attempt to locate them. But she was unable to find them. So then she decided to check with the bartender because the bartender happened to be a friend of theirs. Okay. Mm -hmm. But he hadn't seen them recently and he wasn't sure if they were even still in the nightclub. That's weird. Is this a big place? You know, I'm not sure. But, you know, once you have a few drinks and I picture a nightclub like, you know, you've been to nightclubs here. You know, it's all cramped. That's true. It only takes one person to go to the bathroom and it's really hard to all of a sudden find your friends, you know. So Amber walked outside around 2.30 a.m. And she was likely still looking for her friends, but they were nowhere to be found. So Amber's exact actions after she left the club are actually really unclear. Okay. Mm -hmm. So although she had been the designated driver and she had driven a car belonging to one of her co-workers... Her own car was still parked at her own apartment, so she couldn't leave without her friends. And she may have headed to another club located near barcode in an attempt to find her friends. But this is all we're not sure if this is really what she did. Yeah. So a detective from Asheville Police Department said that the investigation revealed that Amber left barcode around 3 a.m. instead. Mm -hmm. And after she got separated from her friends, she is believed to have left alone on foot. And witnesses, actually, who didn't know Amber, reported seeing her walking either up Broadway. Remember, Broadway is where they parked, okay? Right. Or the next street over on Lexington Avenue. Hmm, interesting. So before they had left for their evening out, the three friends had decided that they would meet back at Amber's apartment if they got separated, which I remember in the very beginning, even turning 18, um, we used to go down to TJ because, you know, we weren't allowed in clubs. But I remember I, there was always a spot where it's like, OK, if we ever get separated at the end of the night, everybody's going to meet up here, you know, mm-hmm. which just sounds like the safe thing to do to me, yeah, you know, plan. always have that plan. So Amber may have attempted to walk back to her apartment, but she never made it there. So her friends eventually made their way back to the apartment at around 4.30 a.m. But they found Amber's apartment dark and empty with no sign of Amber. That's really weird. Yeah. So Amber had plans to meet up with her friend Nadia the following morning. The two of them were actually planning on moving into a new apartment together. So the following weekend, they were they were planning to go to a garage sale to do some shopping. Okay. Mm, okay. So Amber was known for being extremely reliable. Okay. So Nadia was immediately concerned when she couldn't get in touch with her. So she, her friend Nadia, actually ended up going to Pier One to see if Amber maybe just had just shown up to or work something. or yeah, but she wasn't there. Really? Yeah. So after Nadia spoke with Amy, one of the co-workers who had actually gone to Barcode with Amber, she learned that no one had seen or heard from Amber since that previous night. Oh, that's really weird. Yeah. So 
I wonder oh. where they went. <laughs> like, I really wonder where the friends had gone to that that separation even happened, you know? I know, right? And I actually try to research that because I'm like, okay, the the whole deal was if we get separated, we go back to Amber's, everybody meets there. Yeah. But to me, it's like, okay, so you get there, the apartment was dark. What did you guys do afterwards? Yeah, what'd you expect? You know, I, I couldn't find anything on that, but I was mm. curious about that too. I mean, at that point, I would have raised a red flag, like, hey, we gotta go find our friend. Right. You know? So Nadia is aware that Amber usually reports all her movements to her mother. So her friend Nadia decided to call Debbie and see if she knew where her daughter was. Mm -hmm. And Debbie had just returned home from work, however. Debbie had just returned from work and she hadn't spoken to Amber since that night before when Amber called her before going out. Yeah. So obviously fearing the worst... They went to the police station and reported Amber missing. Now, it was around 5 p.m. when Amber was reported missing to the Asheville Police Department. So 5 p.m. the following day. Yeah. As soon as the officer taking the report learned what Amber looked like, he froze. And I'll tell you why after this commercial break. That was fantastic, Jose. You want to know what I just did? What'd you do? I just tried. I opened up, and you don't get any. I opened up the new wine that I received from Wine of the Month Club. So do you, Jose, want to treat yourself or someone special to great wines month after month? I would love to. Well, now you can with Wine of the Month Club. With Wine of the Month Club, you get three different bottles of rare international wine every month. You get to choose from all red, all white, or mixed. You can also choose to do a package every two months or three months if that's a better option for you. And every package ships with their monthly newsletter covering your selections and our listener favorites. Fun facts! We are a proud affiliate, which means if you go to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com, forward slash support the show and click on the wine of the club month link and sign up we will earn a commission you can support the show and get wine delivered to your door by using promo code holiday 15 to get 15 dollars off any four month club or you can use promo code holiday 20 for 20 dollars off any six months club which sounds like a win-win to me you get to stay home during this covid19 pandemic quarantine by yourself and your wines. And they ship free. What? Hey, Jose. So you know that during this pandemic, it could even be scary to go to the grocery store sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can save yourself that trip using Instacart. Instacart delivers groceries in as fast as one hour. Instacart highlights deals to help you save money. They find everything you usually buy. You can get smart suggestions for new items. They even pick the freshest produce and they keep your eggs safe too. We are a proud affiliate of Instacart. So head over to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com forward slash support the show and click their link. Okay, so the police officer that was taking a report, once he learned what Amber looked like, he froze because he realized Amber wasn't missing. Her body had already been found. She was at the morgue at Mission Hospital, and she was actually entered under the name Jane Doe. Oh, man, that's terrible. Yeah. So it had been 
8.30 a.m. that morning when police received a call from a man who had been walking his dog near Bancone County Recreation Park. So, while walking on Azalea Road, the man had noticed several articles of bloody clothing. Wow. So, unsure if what he was seeing was related to a crime, the man called the police. And once on the scene, it took officers only a few minutes to find the victim's body. Amber's body was found lying by an open drain, a hundred yards away from where her clothing was found. And her body was partially covered with water. And they think that she may have intentionally been placed there by the killer in an attempt to destroy potential evidence. So Amber had been killed by a single stab wound to the neck, which happened to hit a main artery, which happened to hit a main artery and caused her to bleed out within minutes. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. So she had a number of of defensive wounds and it was clear that she actually put up a fight for her life and detectives were unable to determine if she had been killed where she was found or if she was left there after she was already dead. Most of her clothing had been removed, but there was no evidence of sexual assault and detectives believe that the killer likely removed her clothing after she was already dead. That's weird. Why? Yeah. No, make is the evidence, but it was found pretty close by though. Like mm-hmm. I don't get that. I know. So investigators comb through the crime scene looking for anything that might help them identify the victim or her killer. Because remember, at this point, they don't know it's Amber. So they were using weed whackers and metal detectors to make sure that nothing was missed. But they were unable to find anything related to the murder. So although they still weren't completely certain, it appeared that the killing had occurred somewhere else. So right away, they were like, this isn't where it happened, right? Yeah, because there's no sign of anything else, right? Mm-hmm. So Amber's body was sent to the morgue admission hospital because she had no identification when she was found at the scene and there was no matching missing person report at that time. Mm-hmm. She was listed as a Jane Doe. But get this, when I read this during my research, I actually got chills. Okay. Because ironically, the morgue where she got taken to mm-hmm. was located just a few doors down the hall from the hospital pharmacy where Debbie Lung- Lundgren worked. No way. Yes. Oh, man. So I read in this article where she said that she spent the entire day yards away from her daughter's body and had no idea. So it, mm. it almost seemed like it, she was just crushed when she realized it yeah she's just literally in the same block. yeah it's like how could i not know or you know how could i not know not how could i not it. feel that my daughter is there which right. is just it's horrible you know but there's no way she could have known mm-hmm. so investigators had spent most of the day trying to learn amber's identity and once they had her name obviously the hunt for the killer was on. So detectives interviewed her friends and other patrons from the club and learned that Amber was last seen around 3 a.m. Saturday morning. So they asked the public if anyone who had been in the downtown area of Asheville around that time to contact them if they had seen Amber. Then they were also 
obviously looking for anyone who might have witnessed anything unusual too. And one witness came forward and told police that she had seen Amber walking down Lexington Avenue just blocks away from barcode at 3.05 a.m. Now, this obviously places Amber in the area where her friend's car was parked. And she was likely still trying to obviously find her friends at that point. Right. But there were no other reported sightings of Amber leading police to believe that she might have accepted a ride home with someone who ended up killing her. But Amber's friends and loved ones also said that they knew that Amber would have never gotten in a car with someone she didn't know. And they all say that Amber was known to be a cautious person and she definitely was not a risk taker. So to them, when they heard the cops saying, oh, you know, maybe she got into a car with a stranger, it didn't make sense. Yeah, even from what you've told me in the story so far, it doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't seem like she'd right. be the the type to do that, to no. go with a stranger at least. The first thing that came to me is like, oh, it must be somebody that she knew mm-hmm. if she were to get in a car somewhere. But right. yeah, yeah, it doesn't add up. Yeah, because Amber was definitely the type of person that always left her TV on when she was planning on returning late and she would do stuff like that. Okay, yeah. you know, I usually leave lights on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I do that. So it seems like she was a cautious person. And Debbie noted that she had raised Amber to have a degree of you know, mistrust towards strangers. If she mm-hmm. had gotten into a, a stranger's vehicle, it would have been just like how you're saying, because she must have known the person. Yeah. Or so, she was forced in. Right. So investigators canvassed the downtown Asheville area looking for anyone who might have heard screams or saw someone being forced into a car, but nothing came back. Investigators and crime technicians were sent also to Barcode to look for possible evidence there. But it seemed clear that whatever had happened to Amber had occurred after she left the club. Yeah, I would agree. I think because somebody would have seen something Mm -hmm. there. Right. I wouldn't think there'd be evidence there at least. Yeah. So she had been seen leaving the club alone and she had been seen alone also at 3.05 a.m. when she was walking on Lexington Avenue. So it appeared that at some point during her walk she had to have encountered a killer so police continued to search the downtown Asheville area handing out flyers about the the murder and hanging up posters with Amber's picture Mm -hmm. and they urged anyone who had witnessed anything no matter how insignificant it seemed to give them a call so the managers actually at barcode created a fund and urged other local business owners in the area and they soon were able to offer a reward for any information leading to the arrest and conviction of Amber's killer, which I thought was That's awesome. Yeah, I thought that was really nice. This brought in a few more leads, but the murder remained unknown. A few days after the murder, police spoke with a witness who had been driving on Asela around 4 a.m. that Saturday morning. She recalled seeing a unidentified male near the area where Amber's body would later be found. So she described him as a white male with a stocky build, dark reddish brown hair, and a beard. He hmm. was also between 20 and 45 years old. So the witness was also able to describe the man's truck, which was a dark colored older model work truck, possibly navy blue. So with the help of the witness and a sketch artist, 
They ended up composing a sketch of the man and the truck seen near the crime scene. They were widely published throughout Buncombe County. So more than 100 tips were called in after these sketches were released to the public. So detectives followed up on each tip but were unable to develop any solid leads. And although police continued to run weekly you know, pleas for information in local newspapers, the case soon went cold. And in April 2002, two jailhouse informants contacted police and told them they knew who had killed Amber. No way. Yeah. So they claimed that a 32-year-old man local to the Asheville area had confessed to them that he was actually the one that murdered Amber. Now, according to the informants, this man also had a blue truck at his home that he never drove. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. So they claimed that he admitted that the reason why he never drove the truck was because it was the one that police were looking for in connection with Amber's unsolved murder. Really? Yeah. So that June, using that information provided by the jailhouse informants, police got a warrant and they seized the man's truck. They also took blood, hair, and saliva samples from the man for comparison with evidence that had been collected at the crime scene. Now, I know this sounds like the perfect match, right? Right. Well, it wasn't. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. As the man was never charged and his name was never even released to the public. And Amber's case went cold once again. Yeah. It's very unfortunate. So the police have not given up on their search for the murderer. And recently... Cold case investigators resubmitted some of the evidence obtained at the crime scene for specialized DNA testing. I hope something comes out of that. Exactly, which is great. You know me, I always love those stories. They're hopeful that this will bring a break in the case so that they can finally obtain justice for Amber. And so as of today, this case is still cold. And, you know, it caught my attention because I felt like One, there isn't a lot out there on this case, which I found tragic because how is that nobody saw her? Yeah, that's I don't get that. Well, like one person saw her walking alone, but then that's it. It was almost like she just vanished and then her body was found, you know, and the killer's still out there. Mm -hmm. I want to end this tragic story by reading to you a piece of an article that Debbie Amber's friends and family did with Dateline. Okay, and it says this. Sunday, February 7, 2021 would have been Amber's 44th birthday. To remember her daughter's soul around this time, Debbie told Dateline she sometimes reads one of Amber's letters or poems. And it's a signature mark on each one that is the most special to her and brings 20 short years of memories flooding back. That signature mark is X for kisses, O's for hugs, and teardrops. For the tears she used to cry at nap time. Now, it says that because the article actually opens up by Debbie telling them that when Amber was little, her mother would pick her up from school and she would just ask her, you know, how was your day? And she would reply, oh, it was okay. (laughs) And she would always say, but I cried a little for you at nap time, which is oh, heartbreaking. <laughs> I know it broke my heart. I remember my daughter saying that to me and it was just like, oh, my God. 
So anyone with information on Amber's case is asked to call the Asheville Police Department. As like I said, this case is still an open case. And, you know, let's help and get this case out there, get the word out there, because I didn't see that there was a lot of coverage on her case for some reason. And let's help bring justice to Amber. If you want to look at pictures and want more information on the cases we cover, you can head over to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Podcast True Crime Weekly. And please don't forget to support the show by going to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com forward slash support the show. And I would truly love it and appreciate it if you would leave a five-star review and subscribe onto Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. The only way that people find out about us is through subscribers and reviews. Thanks for listening.